This is the Bill Cartwright Show with Steve Cohen. Our special guest is Coach Mike Harris. Mike. What's up with you, man? I, I Listen, I enjoy always having a good time coming on, talking with you, chatting with you, sharing some good times with you. So thanks for having me on the show today. Well, right now, I want to get a little foundation on you. Uh, can you talk about uh, growing up, where you grew up? Talk about mom and dad a little bit, siblings. Absolutely. So um, I'm the I'm the middle child. So I got uh, my older brother. He's two years older than me. Younger sister. She's seven years younger than me. And uh, mom and dad. You know, down in West Side of Chicago, the hood of Chicago. You know, that's a stomping grounds for me. And um, I grew up there uh, most of my childhood. Got picked on a lot and. Uh, joked a lot, and uh, I just kind of kind of didn't fit in. I wasn't the cool kid growing up. Um, but something happened in high school. <laughs> Had a growth spurt, hit the gym, playing sports. All of a sudden, the lady said, "You know what? He's kind of cute." <laughs> and uh, and and that was really the uh, uh, the brunt of me saying, "You know what? Uh, I kind of like who I'm becoming." Uh, but I suffered a lot of uh, uh, setbacks, abuse, and um, a little, a lot of uncertainty on on who I was. So, can you talk about making uh, your transfer from being a high school kid? Sure. And talk about what happened after that. Yeah. So after after high school, well, as I was getting ready to leave high school. Um, I had a tragic with uh, my biological father who died of cocaine overdose. And uh, that's what the autopsy shared at the funeral. And um, from then I said, you know what, I want to make something of myself. And I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to become. Uh, I didn't know any of that, you know. So um, I said, you know what, I'm going into, into the military. Oh, good old Uncle Sam. You know, I said, you know what, let me go out here and, and see what I'm made of. And so I went away at 17 years old to the military and not knowing, you know, who I was, where I'm, you know, where I'm going. I just wanted to be something. I wanted to be somebody. And when I went into the military, it provided me that opportunity with uh, uncertainty, with not knowing what I'm going to do. And, and for, the, for the three and a half years that I did, um, I was in operations, I was in intelligence, and I was ready to get out. And uh, when I was getting ready to get out, that's when uh, the biggest transition of my life. And, and it was the first lesson as, an, as a man realizing that what I was really made of. And I was getting out and the recruiters, while you're in the military, they try to keep you in, right? You know, they recruit you to go in and then they recruit you to stay in retention. And I didn't want to stay in. But the funny thing was, there was this group of guys that were standing in the same line I was in. You know, they were over there trying to recruit people to stay in, but they weren't really recruiting anyone. They were over there shooting the crap, coking and joking, too cool for school. And they were like, whatever. Guys was going up to them. So I said, guess what? They fit, look really cool. Everybody want to be a part of a cool guy, guy team. So I went over there and I said, hey, man, what do you guys do? And the first thing he said was, uh, do you not see this insignia on my chest, on my uniform? And then I was just like, yeah, but what is it? And they was just like, are you kidding me? We're in special forces, brother. 
special operations, Navy SEAL, Navy SWIFT. Do you know what that is? And I was like, uh, I guess I do now. I, uh, is it pretty cool? And then he was like, is he joking? And I really didn't know. I wasn't really, uh, you know, a part of like that world per se, because I was just doing my own thing. And I said, you know what? I think I want to learn more about this. And he said, let me give it to you straight, kid. He said, you're tall, you're black, you can't swim, your ASVAB score isn't high enough, this isn't for you, you'll never make it. And I said, thanks. And I took the pamphlet and I went back to my room, the barracks room, and I couldn't sleep a wink all night because I'm just like, you know, I never fed, fit in as a kid. I was never the cool guy. I had to always, I was this outcast. And I said, maybe, maybe this is my opportunity to prove not just to myself, but to these fuckers who said I couldn't do it. So the next day I woke up, I went right up to the same guy who gave me that good old speech. And I said, hey, I think I want to, this is it. This is what I want to do. And he said, are you deaf, blind, stupid, or slow? Because one of them, obviously, it didn't connect somewhere within the last 24 hours. And he said, this isn't for you. I said, this is what I want to do. And that was the biggest turning point when I started uh, to realize that um, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to have to see what I'm made of and face a lot of fears and a lot of challenges um, that uh, life throws at you. And at that season of my life, that was the biggest challenge uh, at the time. Hey, while you were in the military, did you have a mentor, somebody that you could talk to and give you direction? Yeah, I did. You know, it was funny how it happened. At my first duty station, uh, there was a guy by the name of Elashis Elsie. I know if you listen to this, he'll be like, that's my boy. <laughs> so he was, uh, I think he's about maybe five to six years older than me, maybe seven, max. And um, he saw me coming a mile away. You know, you can kind of spot um, people who came fresh in the military out of, you know, high school. And he knew I was a good kid, but he's like, you just need some sense of direction. And um, there were a lot of people, you know, there was a lot of heavy influence on the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. But he said, you know what, I'm going to take you under my wing. And he invited me to church, Calvary Revival Church in Norfolk, Virginia. And he said, hey, man, come with me to church, hang out with me and, you know, keep your nose clean and um, stay away from the influences and you'll be all right. You'll be cool. And I said, all right. And he, he was my mentor uh, since I was 17 years old, Norfolk, Virginia, fresh out of uh, high school and uh, ACL and boot camp. And ever since then, you know, he's, he's always been there for me uh, spiritually. So can you talk about as you're exiting your military career, what, what direction are you headed into? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? When I was getting ready to get out of the military? Yes. I still had no clue. And it's like, I was no different than what I was, you know. <clears throat> what people don't understand is, and I'm sure that you can understand this in sports, when you go into the military at 17 as a kid, or when you go into the NBA as a kid, fresh out of college or high school now, I don't know if they were coming straight out of high school uh, back in your time, but you're a kid, mentally, emotionally, um, but you have this masculine male 
body because that's your physical attribute that you've been working on and, and, and preparing for the professional league. Well, when you go in and you have a short career, two, three years and get out, nine times out of 10, your mindset is still the same. Financially, that's why they go broke. Um, uh, you know, physically, you beat yourself down. And emotionally, you're just like, what am I, you know, it was a good rush. It was like a two, three, two, three year rush of doing something that's really cool that you wanted to do. But then now reality set in. So now I was getting ready to go back to the same neighborhood, back to the same house, nothing established because I spent all my money. I was just partying, just doing my thing. And I really didn't have anything to, uh, to go back home to. So um, tell me about Tony Robbins. So here's, so a lot of you guys know, but I was on tour with Tony Robbins for about a year with the company, uh, speaking to um, 4,000 people of 300 companies in the span of a year. Well let's, well, let's go back on that. How did you get in touch? I mean, because everybody can't just say Tony Robbins and find them. How, how did that happen? When, when I got out of the military, uh, my grandmother was sick. And I would only come home maybe about uh, maybe two weeks out of the year. So I spent a total of eight years in the military. I spent two months actually, you know, at home, you know, something like that. Right. So and I said, you know what, I really need to come back home. You know, my mom asked me to come back home. So I came back home and my grandmother weighed over 200 pounds her entire life. And when she was in the hospital bed, weighing 75 pounds, battling cancer, she told me to make her a promise. And I said, yes, ma'am, grandma. You know, my grandma's my heart. And she said, promise me that what you want to give me while I'm on my deathbed, that you give it to everyone else, everywhere you go with everything you got. I said, yes, ma'am. And she died right there in my hand. And I was just like, wow, that messed me up because here it is. I made this promise to my grandma. She just died in my hands. That's the last thing that she asked me to do before she went to heaven. So now I'm committed. I have an obligation, a responsibility, but more so I have a promise. So I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I knew nothing about business. Just like I knew nothing about special forces when I was going into it. And I can share that story with you. I'll maybe go back and touch on that. But then um, I opened the gym. You know, had no clue, had 2,500 bucks to my name. I was in downtown Chicago trying to figure it out. No one really supported me or believed in me, but a few, select a few people. And I had to figure it out. So with, you know, being the janitor, the marketing guy, the trainer, the accountant, everything. And then I had to sleep on a full smell bleach for four to six months because I had to keep the gym clean to, to set myself apart with, uh, you know, the prestige of the boutique style fitness studio. And, you know, six months into it, I really started learning, getting the gist of it. And then I started becoming successful. Then I started making a little money. Then the family started saying, whoa, you got a little pocket change in you. You know, uh, I see you now. And of course, everybody comes out of the woodwork when you're making money, hello. <laughs> and, but the cool thing was, I hit a window, I hit a ceiling because I realized that I can't train the world. It's only 24 hours in a day. And then as I was training, I said, there has to be a better way. I'm turning people away. Here it is. I didn't know how to grow a business, start a business, 
But yet now I don't know how to grow the business past what I can train. Then I had to learn that you have to grow a team. You have to have mentors who can help you grow past that level. So I started seeking out, you know, mentors who I can learn from, coaches. You know, every great basketball player needs a coach. And you played with one of the arguably great basketball players of all time. And he said, I wouldn't have won these um, championship rings if it wasn't for Phil Jackson. You know, coach me, seeing where I, you know, the holes in my game. Same thing with me in business, to find a coach, to – you know, see the business, uh, the, the, the was in my game. So what I did was, um, I was seeking out, uh, people who were doing great and coaches and I clicked on one of Tony Robinson's, uh, ads, um, you know, on social media, whatever. And one of his speakers came down, he came to my gym, he spoke to me and I said, Whoa, man. I said, how did you get a part of this and going around helping people grow their businesses? And he said, hey, man, I'm a speaker with the company. This is what we do. And I said, this is a cool lifestyle, right? It's really cool. You get to travel around, see holes in people's businesses. And, you know, and I said, well, how much money do you make, man? And when he shared with me the money that he made, I said, whoa. I said, I can really do this. Hello. <laughs> so I said, I get to help people and make money, travel and do it. I said, you know what? I'll do it. So. Um, I went out to the event. He said, come to the event first. Come buy a ticket. Come see. I went to the event. I saw 5,000 people in the office in that little office space or the, you know, I don't want to say office, but then his office, but it was a, a, a resort, whatever you want to call it. And 5,000 people in there rocking, jumping, pumped up, and he's on stage killing it. And everything in my being said, I love this. I would love to do this. I enjoy this. It's one of my love languages, you know, you know, being able to, to serve someone. And then like an hour into it, we went on a little break. I said, yo, how in the world can I do what you do, man? This is great stuff. And he said, well, obviously it's a tough, it's a, it's a you know, it's, it's a challenge to get in. Everyone can't do it. And he said, but if you really want to do it, I can have you go and interview. I said, cool, when? He said, right now. Right now at the event? So at the event, I went backstage and went with the, the powers that be. And they said, pump us up, motivate us, give us a talk. What's your signature talk? Da, da, da. And I was just like, I, I just went in with what I knew with, 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 with my life story. And they said, you know what? You have, you know. You, you have what it takes. You got the juice. You just need to, you know, get in it and learn the ins and outs of the businesses. And um, I flew out to San Diego, met with the corporation. Uh, two weeks later, I was in New York on tour. Now, you've worked with a lot of corporations and individuals. Yeah. Give me uh, from the corporations and then give me individually two common reasons corporations and people are not successful. Sure. So the biggest thing I'll start with, with corporations first. So I, all I know is how to be straightforward, Bill. So I got, I got to give it to you straight. Of course. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, a lot of businesses fail. Um, they, it fails this. You teach what you know but you duplicate who you are. And they're really not great leaders, but they're trying to teach other people to be a great leader. And that's the challenge. 
I mean, and to sum it up, it's like I go into, yeah, I go and meet with the leadership team when the CFO or the CEO or the, um, uh, the HR bring me in and talk to the company and say, hey, I need for you to go in and share with us what the problem is, why we're not growing, why the morale is down, why our numbers aren't making sense. We need to be here by Q3. And, and it's just like, listen, all right, all I need is about five minutes. They said, five minutes is all you need? I said, yeah, just give me five minutes. That's all I need. I don't need to go in there for an hour and give speeches and pump up rah-rahs. I've done that, got the t-shirt, not my thing. <laughs> okay. My thing is to go in there and provide massive amounts of value in a short amount of time because that's what you're paying me for, baby. They said, cool, let's do it. So I go in there and I ask one question. And this one question lets me know who the leaders are and who aren't? And the one question that I asked him is simply this. I said, by a show of hands, who can stand up and tell me what the vision is for this business? No one can stand up. A, either because they're embarrassed that if they try attempt to do it, they get it wrong. Or two, they don't know it. Because if you knew it, you stand up and you say it, you eat, sleep, drink, breathe it. And then I say, hey, no worries. I say, I'm done here. I go back out to the CEO, go back out to the CFO. And I say, hey, let me tell you something. No one knows what the fuck the vision is. And quite honestly, it's a shit show. Everybody's doing their own thing. They're out for what's in it for me. And they say, how do you know that? And then I say, come here. And they're still in there sitting around talking to each other, trying to figure out what the vision statement is going on the website, trying to figure it out so they can recite it. And then I bring the boss in and I say, you ask him the question. And then I say, no, I said, sir, what's the vision of your company? And they say, well, the vision is this and we want to do this and we want to do this. And then I say, well, how come none of them know it? And then I said, now leadership team, let's go down to where the employees and, and low level management is. I say, hey guys, what's the vision of the company? No one knows it. Or they try to spill off to make more money, do all this bullshit. And I said, this is the reason why your business is failing. And where is it at on the wall? Show it to me. What's the vision of the company? What's the mission? It's nowhere around. And so that's what happens with corporations. With people, it's different. With people, it's like, why are you doing this? I'm doing it for the money. Okay. Why are you doing this? Well, I need money. And then I say, well, you're not going to get money if you need it. It doesn't work that way. You attract it. So if you become a person that's attractive, money is going. Money has to go somewhere. It just doesn't sit there. It has to be used. So if you're not of value, it's not going to be attracted to you. I say, think of it like this. <laughs> if a guy comes to me and they say, what do I need to learn about money? I say, when was the last time you got laid? <laughs> uh, it's been a long time, right? Because now that's with money. When last time you had money? It's a long time. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You're not attractive. You don't know how to sell yourself on the vision. How can you sell someone else on it? And then they look at me and say, uh, you're right. I'm like, well, of course. <laughs> That's it. It all boils down to the vision of why you're doing it. The reason why I was successful in six months at the gym was because I had one thing and one thing on my mind. What my grandmother said, how she looked, how her hand felt, how it went from warm to cold when she asked me to make her a promise. So when people say, why are you in fitness? Because of my grandmother. 
Why are you open this gym? Because of my grandmother. Well, why'd you get into fitness? What did I tell you? I said, when I got out of the military, I told you my grandmother. I didn't get into fitness because I wanted to save lives. I didn't get into business because I wanted to help people lose weight. I didn't get into business because I wanted to make a lot of money. I got into the business because of one thing. I made a promise to Big Mama. She said, make me a promise, baby. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so when I go and speak to companies and I share with people, they say, well, how are you successful? What makes you tick? And I just simply tell them the story of my grandma. They said that was emotional, but what makes you tick really? And then I say, well, what, what do you want me to say? Do you, well, if you're paying me to say, tell me what you want me to say. I'll go out there and give them some bullshit. Or do you want the truth? And then they say, no, you know what? You're right, man. And then they think about it and they say, well, this is the reason why I've been failing or not hitting the mark. So it just boils down to the vision. Whether it's a company or individual, it doesn't change. The only thing that changes is the people, the last names, the souls that are in seats. What do, you, what do you, you know, you had the privilege of working with Tony Robbins. Why do you think he's so successful? So, you know what? Honestly, I never really asked myself that question. And honestly, I never really asked why other people are successful. I really don't, I really don't care. But for this podcast, why do I think he's successful? Because he's connected to his vision. And he's sharpened his skills on how to do it. That's really all I can give. Anyone who's successful, they can give you the reasons and they can come on podcasts and tell you all this cool, cool stuff. But it boils down to if they had to make it short and one sentence, they'll say, I'm doing this because this was a pain point of me that happened to me and I don't want to go through it again. And I'm doing something about it. That's it. It's not because he's so great at what he does. It's not because he's so phenomenal at what he does. You can, you can train a monkey to climb a tree <laughs> and you can be like, okay, he climbed a tree so masterful. But if you ask the monkey why he's doing it, it's because when you trained him to climb the tree, you kept whipping him or giving him an incentive by putting some sugar in front of him or salt or a banana. I don't know, I, I don't know. So all I know is he's connected to his vision and that I can guarantee. Mike, uh, talk about this, uh, because this is relatable to what I'm doing now. If if I'm a student at USF, I'm about to graduate. Give me an idea of what I should be thinking for my future. Two things. One, education doesn't stop when you graduate. It begins. Everything you learn for school, it's it's. It's theory. I don't use calculus. I don't use geometry. I don't use theory. I use practicing stuff. So when you think of someone who is thinking about what do I need to do? What am I gonna be practicing? It's the reason why before you play a game, you gotta do what? (laughs) Practice. You don't have to go to school before you play a game. You gotta practice before you play a game. Learning the game is something that you learn and develop. But when you're at a high level or when you're done with with that, you got to practice it. I can teach you all day long. This is what you need to do when you leave high school. This is what you need to do when you leave college. At the end of the day, I can tell you this. You can read all the books, buy the DVDs, have the college debt. But when you step foot into the real world, you got to practice that bullshit. And I don't care how great you are and what your GPA says. I run circles around people who have all these degrees and letters behind their names. Why? Because I'm attached to my vision and I'm a practitioner. 
not a theorist. I don't need to sit around and be lectured. I need to know who's out there doing it and who's out there doing it at a high level. That's who I wanna learn from. So that's number one. Number two is you gotta find people who are doing it at a high level consistently. Not someone who did it one time and they're living off that one thing that they used to do years ago. Who's, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Not a has-been, not a one-time. What are you doing right now? Show me, don't tell me. I can Google you and see. Or show me your, another one when I go into big companies. We're great, we do all these. Great, let me see your numbers. I don't need to hear anything. Shh. Put your numbers up on the screen. Let me look at it for five minutes. Okay, I see the forecast of where you were last quarter to this quarter. I see the dip or the growth. Cool. What do we? What do you want to talk about? How great you are now? Exactly. So two things. One, don't be a theorist. Be a practitioner. Education doesn't end when you leave. It begins when you leave. And just find someone who's doing what you want to do at a high level consistently and go learn from them. Take them out to eat. Be around. Bill, when I came to... San Francisco, before I left, I said, Bill, man, let's hang out. Let's go grab a bite. We went out to have breakfast. I didn't go out to breakfast to eat and take a photo with you and say, hey, I'm here with Bill. I went out to say, hey, this is somebody who operates at a high level. Something that you may have forgot or that you do and you don't even think about could be the one thing that take me to the next level. That's why I surround myself with people who are practitioners of life, not sit around and sing Kumbaya and be theorists by a fireplace. Awesome. Coach Mike, uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you, you, you were awesome. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to, again to hang on to San Francisco and spend some time. Uh, I learned as well. So let's just keep it going. And I'm looking forward to our, our next adventure. <coughs> I love it. And, 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 and I want to say this before I head off is this is if you guys are listening, and you're saying, man, you know what? I'm a theorist. I'm not a practitioner. Or if you listen to this and you're like, man, there's another level. Or you know what? I don't have a vision. I'm just doing this for the money. Or how I am doing it. I'm a practitioner, but there's another level. No matter where you're at, whatever season you're in, all you have to do is one thing. Write the vision, make it plain and then practice it and find someone who's doing what you wanna do and they're doing it better than you at a higher level than you consistently and currently, not in the past. Because what you're gonna do is you're gonna figure out what worked for them back then, which could work for you. But what I'm concerned with is what's working currently in the market and the season during the times currently. So. Um, I just wanted to give that tidbit. And if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me on social media at get coach Mike, G E T coach Mike. Um, uh, if you like my swag that I got right here, it's a company that I created during the, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, it's a global fitness app called VFC virtual fitness classes. You go to the Google store, the app store, type in three letters V F C and you'll be able to download and get a free class and, Check out my supplements to help you grow physically to the next level. But that's really it. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to having some steak out in San Fran. What do you say? Or are you vegan now, Bill? I'm not, I'm not vegan. Others 
on the podcast are, but but I'm not. I, I can still have a piece of meat. 